All glory goes to God. Amen. <clears throat> Let's say that together. All glory goes to God. Ready? All glory goes to God. Every story, every celebration, every blessing, we're giving all the glory to God, and we are celebrating today. We're in a series going through 2 Corinthians. We will spend some time in the Word, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you want to turn there. A Jesus community, we're celebrating God's generosity today. And in our church, one of the habits that you can cultivate that's been true for the decades is to spend time in God's Word. We come together as a church family on the weekend, and we get into God's Word, and then spend time alone. You can go through this passage. And then in life groups, those three ways, alone, in a community, and together as family, we're in God's Word together. The reason we're trying to really encapsulate 70 years into 70 minutes is because we all have such a deep and profound love and appreciation for our church family and everyone who's played a part over the 70 years. Amen? Amen. I thought one thing we could do to start out right now is to honor anyone who has served on staff or as an elder here at any point during the 70 years. If you just stand up, if you've been on staff at any point or an elder at any point, just stand up and uh, let's together, let's thank these people. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for your faithfulness and your devotion, building up God's kingdom and this church family. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that everyone is important in this room. Everyone is part of the story. It's your story and how you change our lives. God, we pray that your faithfulness and goodness would be seen so evident today, God, that it would strengthen us in our walk with you and as we look forward. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. In one sentence, the message from this text and passage today is that the grace of Jesus exponentially abounds through generous recipients, and that's who we are. The heart of this passage and the heart of our church is verse 9. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse 9, we read, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And as we consider the heart of this passage and the heart of the Bible and the heart of our church, this is the why when it comes to generosity. It's because God has been so generous to us. When you think about a relationship with God, daily grace, a community of people walking together in the grace of God, following Jesus daily, that's a 24-7 relationship where we live, work, learn, or play. We're on mission together, abiding with Jesus, responding in the power of the Holy Spirit. It all comes down to this verse right here. And we're in alignment theologically, biblically, and we want to be in alignment practically with our lives as well. God reorients and recalibrates us to trust him, move with the Spirit, and glorify Jesus together. Now, this is talking about Jesus who was rich becoming poor. Theologians would say this is the dissension of Jesus. It's laid out in Philippians chapter 2. You can study that chapter during this week. Jesus, who always existed, was not created at a certain point, but always was God and existed in glory, in perfect heaven, and yet left there. Couldn't have been easy to leave heaven. And then what did Jesus do? He came to earth in a womb, born in a manger, 
in a body, still fully God, fully human, but now God in a body, a servant who suffered, submitted, and sacrificed. He was obedient, even though he was rejected, betrayed, and denied by people he loved. He was obedient even to go to a cross to pay the full price for our sins, to die in our place, to literally become sin so that we could have the righteousness of God. He was forsaken by the Father and ultimately death. You can't go from a higher place to a lower place than that. And why did he continue to give and to give and to give and to give? You know when we're most like Jesus? It's when we give and we give and we serve and we give and we give because that's how our Savior lived. That's when we're most like Jesus. And yet the truth is before we give, we receive because the spiritual life always begins with receiving. We don't earn salvation. We receive this gift of eternal life from Jesus. You receive every day breath in your lungs. You receive God's word, his encouragement, his presence, the Holy Spirit. Receive fully so that you can live and give and serve. And we have this from Jesus who literally took on mankind's debt and paid it with his life. He loves us so much, love always gives. Love always sacrifices. Where there's love, true love, there's giving and there's sacrificing always. And we see it in Jesus. He, he became what we were so that we could now have what he had. He's invited us in. He was consistently generous, even in times when life was gruesome. Maybe you've been through some gruesome times in your life. He continued to trust the Father, serve, and give on the cross. And I think we can all say today that God has treated us better than we deserve. God has treated us individually. God has treated us in life groups. God has treated us over the decades of 70 years as a church family far, far better than we deserve. And when you receive so much from Jesus, I also think it's reasonable to say that nothing that he asked for is too much. We're not trying to pay him back. We could never pay him back. But our time, our talent, our treasure, any words he wants us to say with our tongue, any place he wants us to travel, it would be a yes, Lord. You are worthy. I'm grateful. You have been so generous, and I'm all in. And that's worship. John 3.30, John the Baptist said, May Jesus increase and I'll decrease. The only way Jesus increases in our lives is when we decrease Because when we get caught up in our own agenda and plans and will and get stubborn in that, gradually Jesus decreases in our lives and it becomes more and more about us in a me-centered generation. But we can break out of that in Jesus' name. Today it can happen and you can recommit your life to glorify the Lord who saved you and rescued you and loves you perfectly. And God does that for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. This was about six years ago. Our elders gathering together, seeking God. This verse jumped out. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. May God take us to the next level this morning with our faith, with our generosity. That's what he's doing with the Corinthians. That's what he's doing with us. And I can't only talk about his dissension, so I'll also add this briefly in his ascension in Philippians chapter 2. God the Father 
exalted Jesus to the place above all places, gave him the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. That is always true, will be true. And you're going to watch that play out in the years and decades to come. We truly thank God for his grace. And that leads to his grace exponentially abounding. Now, in this passage, Paul is coming alongside the Corinthians who are kind of stuck. Have you ever been kind of stuck in your faith? What about during the pandemic? How many people got kind of stuck in their faith? Now, some people kind of wandered unintentionally. And I would just say, let's come home. Let's come home. If you just kind of drifted casually, wandered unintentionally, come home. Other people got kind of stubborn and stuck. <laughs> I'm not moving. I'm not moving. Do you know so many people in the body of Christ right now don't have a church family? And I'm not saying it needs to be grace. I could give you 100 great churches across the sound. But if you think you're waiting for a perfect church, you're going to wait until glory to find a perfect church because it doesn't exist. And the minute you show up, it's not going to be perfect anymore. <laughs> just, just being honest. Just being honest. So find a church, serve, get connected in the body of Christ, glorify God. They were stuck. Sometimes we get stuck. They were stuck with their generosity. And in verse 10, here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by the completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. The Corinthians started out with some great intentions, some great ideas, some great initial steps, but then they stopped. And the specific giving here in the generosity was not just abstract in general. It was to help people in Jerusalem who loved Jesus and were struggling financially. And Paul was coming alongside the Corinthians who had some deep pockets saying, let's think about the body of Christ. Look what God's given to you. You had good intentions. You started out well. You know, you had some good ideas, but now let's move past where you're stuck. And that was an encouragement to them. And, you know, churches get stuck. As we celebrate so much today, there were times in our church where we were stuck over the 70 years. There were times in our church where we had a lot of decline and different conflict at different points. We've got a history where we've had some splants. You know, a church plant is nice when everyone's on the same page. It's not quite a church split, so let's call it a splant and bless them and try to move forward for the kingdom in the sound. I'm not here to paint over any challenges, and I want to acknowledge those. The Corinthians, it's very real about their challenges, but let's remember God's goodness and grace. I want to run through to really capture the DNA of our church. Looking back over the years, 1951, I found this picture. Billy Graham came to Memorial Stadium. That was the choir downtown under the Space Needle. The DNA of our church flows out of this to reach the sound. 
That's the DNA of our church. There were some early believers. And by the way, Billy Graham came and baptized his son here at our church who served on church staff later on in years um, to come. But I'll tell you, in 1951, there were so many new believers from this event in downtown Seattle that they started to gather and dream about what could happen in Auburn. Ivan started intentionally inviting everyone. Praise God for Ivans. You know, the kind of people who just are constantly inviting people to church? Well, Ivan did that. He was persistent, and people started to come to church, come to Jesus. There's a story of Cal leading someone who was very well-known at the time in Auburn to Jesus at 1 a.m. Praise God for the Cals who stay up to 1 a.m. with someone and walk them through how to start a relationship with God. Our first pastor, E.P. Fosmark, uh, he was an evangelist, and he rode on horseback. Guitar in one hand, Bible in the other. Are you catching the DNA of our church and the passion? You can just picture that. In 1952, our church started with 91 charter members. It's kind of difficult when 70 people gather in one home. Amen? That's a big life group. They, they were literally not able to fit in the home anymore with 70 people, and they also had classes in cars where everyone rolls down the window and the teacher stands outside the car. There was a need for a building. So going to the funeral home, prophetically, places of death are going to come to life in Jesus' name. (laughs) Start the church in a funeral because Jesus takes us from death to life. And then next, the American Legion Hall. Well, you know what happens in Auburn in the 1950s in the American Legion Hall? That's where everyone parties on Saturday night. So Saturday night, you have to have a team that clears out all the liquor bottles and tries to get things ready for church on Sunday morning. Whatever it takes. There's something better, Auburn, than getting drunk on Saturday night than those drugs on Saturday night. There's something better, Auburn. (laughs) Moving to a theater where you think about washing feet, well, this version was scraping the gum off the chairs. Scrape the gum off the chairs so the people could worship and, as we heard, be baptized in the theater. In 1954, our first missionary, $70 a month. And you might be thinking, that's nothing. Well, when your annual budget's 9000 that's a big decision. It shows our commitment from early on to bless the nations. 1973, drums and guitars were approved for Bible Baptist Church. <laughs> It's getting rowdy, folks. It's getting rowdy in here. 1973. I'm just glad I wasn't on that committee. I wasn't on those elder board meetings week after week that went through the Bible and the pros and cons. Harps are okay, but I don't know about guitars. I don't know. I wasn't there. But what it shows is our church will continue to move forward to reach people where they are generation after generation. Do you know how many churches have died, sadly, in the last 70 years? Why do so many churches die? Because they won't move forward. And they're always trying to live in the past. And if you mess with the past, people are going to leave because we're all about the past. But guitars come in, and you know what? Drums come in. And the church is moving forward, and we're going to worship God, and we're going to praise him. 1981, East Ridge Baptist Church, still there today in Kent. I drive by it all the time. Just pray for it. Larry Finch was innovative and creative. Our church has been innovative and creative. No notes, sharing Bible stories, firsthand, connecting with people. The church doubled in size. 1993 and 94, so many youth 
that they were literally, they were meeting in buses and all the youth would pack in the buses and there would be gatherings and that was the youth group. 1993 and 94, Ben Cross came in. Isaiah 61.3, key verse. Oaks of righteousness for the display of God's splendor. God can take acorns and build up oaks of righteousness with deep roots abiding with Jesus. And the vision that came as a gathering happened in Tacoma Dome of what this could be. I appreciate the future vision. We're sitting in the blessings of the vision over 20 years ago, seeing future generations and the sacrifices that were made then to reach people that are being reached today. That forward vision. And what's been consistent, I say these four W's in our church, worship, the word, warmth, and witness beyond the walls of the church. Consistently throughout the decades. In 2003, our church planted Soma Church in Tacoma. Jeff Vanderstelt was uh, leading at that time, and our church sent out that church, which then multiplied. Now there are 80 Soma churches in the U.S. and 40 overseas. Out of the one church plant from Grace, there's now over 120 churches, over 30 nations being blessed. We thank God. I've asked Jeff Vanderstelt to come preach here in about three weeks. I've asked Ben Cross to come preach here this summer. We're just going to continue and celebrate what God's doing. I think of Mike Moran, and he was a pastor before I arrived in the legacy of prayer and seeking God's presence and trying to mobilize people out of complacency to seek and cry out to the Lord as prayer begets prayer, which begets revival in healthy churches. We celebrate all this, and as we think of the picture today, uh, actually from last weekend, and just celebrating Jesus, we celebrate now that our church is completely out of debt. We have no debt. We thank God that we are a multicultural church, multi-ethnic church that looks more like Auburn and more like heaven today, and people from all nations are here. We thank God for the balance with multi-generational at every age group. There is such a solid balance in our church now, and we thank God to give him the glory. Uh, we are solid in Scripture, not wavering in the Bible. The Bible's our true source. We trust it fully. It's God's Word. It's our authority, not tradition. We trust the Word. Life groups continue to be the core of this church. Our staff team that God has raised up is unbelievably a gift from God. And the culture and, and the five C's that we talk about, community and the relationships. We talk about clear communication and collaboration, common goals and celebration, what we're doing today. I think of the devoted elders who serve sacrificially so far beyond what anyone knows and can see. I think of Saturate the Sound. We've been involved the last six years, connecting with 100 churches and ministries, building them up around the sound and what God is doing. International partners, over 40, and over half of the 40 have been raised up from our church. I think of the growing partnerships and collaboration with so many ministries, including World Vision and Clean Water in what's been brought around the world. I think of the media ministry where we've seen tens of thousands of people put their trust in Jesus. God gets the glory in all of these endeavors, and we thank God for it. We're in a mission field. We've made it through a pandemic. This is not the Bible Belt. Second highest de-churched in the nation. Ninth highest unchurched. Millions of people who don't follow Jesus. We look back today to be strengthened, to have confidence in God, 
to move forward in what he's calling us to do. We are inspired by the faithfulness of the decades and God's generosity so that we move forward in this generation. And it leads through this last part, which is generous recipients, and that's who we are. Now, Paul takes an interesting twist. And now, instead of talking to the Corinthians, he's going to talk to the Corinthians about, not themselves, but some other churches. And on his second missionary journey, he went through Macedonia. In Macedonia, you have the Philippians, you have the Bereans, you have the Thessalonians, and they are excelling in their generosity. And Paul is going to highlight what's happening in some other churches to try and inspire the Corinthians to move past getting stuck in their own church. And now, verse 1, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion the act of grace on your part. And we see, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see also that you excel in the grace of giving. Uh, You know, you could easily bring an application here of, like, let's all give. It's not a primary emphasis today. People ask, you know, 70th, and they're feeling excited about it. I asked the elders. They just said the general fund. And why? Because there are so many ministries right now at Grace completely flourishing. And there's so much vision and great um, vision through different leaders that so many ministries are flourishing that the elders said, just give to the general fund if you feel led that way. Uh, Going back here to this text, look, they were pleading for the privilege. Could we please serve? Could we please give? I was at an Easter egg hunt last week, and I'll tell you where eagerness happens. It's just before they open the door access to hundreds of eggs, and there's kids everywhere in our neighborhood. And, and I took a picture, I won't show it, but, but the, the look in kids' eyes, like, can we? Can we go after this? Can we serve? Can we give? Can we do it right now? Do we have to wait any longer? You know, not on their heels, but let's go. Let's do this. That's what was happening in the churches. Not passive, intimidated, complaining, pointing fingers, Another song of that. No, they're like, let's go for it for Jesus right now. It was in their severe trial. You say sometimes, well, we're just waiting for life to get easier. We're waiting for things to get cushier. Then we're really going to go for it with Jesus. It might not get easier in America, folks. Don't wait till it gets easy. You got to move today with how God's leading you in your home, in the church, in the community. Be bold for Jesus. That's what they were. They had excitement. And again, they wanted to help the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. They wanted to build up the kingdom. Why did they do that? What's the why? Because Jesus has been so generous to me. I can't sit here and act like he hasn't. I can't act like it was a little gift. When I think about eternity, when I think about the cross and the empty tomb, when I think about my sins and where I was going without Jesus, when I think about how he's provided and different talents that you have, careers you've had, family you have, houses you have, when you think about the blessings God has poured out on your life, there is no way to be casual about that. 
There's just no way, and they're not having it. They're not going lukewarm, complacent, fitting in with the culture. They're going for it with Jesus and not turning around. Jesus continues to empower people who empower people, to build up the kingdom, generous recipients. And I think about uh, some anonymous people who sought grace, how important adoption is. We're all adopted into God's family. Amen? We're all adopted into God's family through Jesus. Well, there's been about 20 families now that have adopted children at Grace and provided forever families. And as that's happening and increasing, someone started a fund and just said, I'm going to provide finances, we're going to provide finances and others, so that anyone who adopts, there's money there. So if you didn't know, now you know. And if you're interested in adoption, struggling financially, that's there. Gracious recipients. When I think about Joel Miller coming here as an intern, trying to figure out his career and what God would have for him, discovering his gifts in media, now our media director, now bringing the word to the world. At the end of Paul's letter, he sometimes highlights individuals. I'm just going to share some. Colson Huntington. I think about Colson coming as an intern, serving and learning, being built up as a leader, serving with Grace Kids. Now he serves in Vanuatu as one of our international partners, and we're seeing amazing things in the next generation in Vanuatu today. I think of Stephen Matt McCulley. Saw him walking in today. Their father, Ed, was killed. Ed was a missionary, one of the five uh, going along with Jim Elliott to Ecuador, killed as he was reaching the Akas. Min Kai, one of the men who killed two of the missionaries, including their father, came to Jesus, later came to this very church, gave his testimony. Someone told me it was one of the most powerful moments in their decades at Grace Community Church. The man who killed Ed McCauley stood foot here, gave his story loved the families who lost their dads, went back to Ecuador, served as an elder, as a spiritual leader, reached tribes in Ecuador, and inspired people in America with the forgiveness and grace of Jesus. Happened right here. Praise the Lord. I think of Reuben and Judy Stuckel, serving faithfully at Grace, serving faithfully as an educator, and then retired. You know what happened when he retired? He realized there's a big lie in America that when you retire, you just go cushy and get self-centered. He said, I'm not having that. That's not in the Bible. So we're going to trust God. God, what do you want us to do? They went to Africa, completely unexpected. God led them there and served for years. And then when he came back, you know what he did? He saw there was an opening because we didn't have a missions pastor. And he said, I'll take that role, and you don't have to pay me anything. In retirement, blazing a trail for Jesus. I could go on. Dan and Beth Hollis, I think of what they battled through with cancer and every other challenge. And leading our prayer team, leading prayer out in the community Friday night. I was there Friday night with them, drive-by prayer every Friday. You should see who drives by and just comes in for prayer because the love of Jesus is too big for this room. It's got to go out in the community. I could talk about Jeff Lynn in our conversation this month and serving the maximum time for an elder. It sounds like a prison sentence. It's not. It's life-giving. It's life-giving in Jesus' name. 
but served three rounds of six years and then some. Uh, Johnny Sue was mentioned, and I think of her faithful teaching and how that inspired and raised up other teachers. Uh, I wrote down Wally Forsyth and just the steady leadership. I could go on name after name if we missed you between pictures and mentions this weekend. We love you and appreciate you. God gets all the glory. Amen. This is God's vision. This is God's provision. His grace and generosity abounds. And I ask you, what do we do with 70 years of baptisms? Cody just trusted Christ a week ago. He's getting baptized next service at 1045. What what do we do with this big flow of members that just come in constantly every month right now? What do we do, looking back over 70 years, over 100 ministries What do we do when we think about regional impact across the sound? What do we do when we think about decades of people on their knees praying and fasting? What do we do with millions of hours of serving Jesus through this church and a vision for the nations that won't and can't slow down? I think we just stop and savor that and let it sink in and let the gratitude well up, let the praise well up. And be stronger for the Lord today. Acts chapter 13, David is a man after God's own heart. Say, well, what is that? Is that just emotional connection? Yes, it's affection. Yes, it's relationship and closeness. But you know what it says right after that? David's willing to do anything God wants him to do. You can't say, I worship God, but I'm not going to abide with God. I'm not going to let him take over and call the shots in my life. I'm not going to let him write this season or the script right now. No, David loved God sinned massively, but God's grace abounds greater than our sin. And he's willing to do whatever God wanted to do, and this is what the Bible says. I don't know if there's a higher compliment. He was faithful in his generation. What are we going to do to be faithful right now in this generation? Standing on the shoulders of so many, grateful for so many that have gone before us, what does it look like to be faithful together Right now. In John chapter 3, Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, the wind blows, and it blows wherever it wants, and that's how it is when the Spirit moves. So what do we do? Set your sail. Set your sail, because the wind is blowing right now. The Spirit is moving. Set your sail, drop your pride in your agenda, drop your resentment, set your sail, move with the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, not by might, not by committees, not by plans, not by programs, not because of our history, but by the Holy Spirit, there are no limits to what God can do. And I'll say this as you read through the Bible, the best is yet to come. The theme of the Bible is that the best is yet to come. So we don't live in the past or idols or the glory days. We don't live in the past or negative things in the past. We can't live in the past, but we live right now with Jesus If you don't know Jesus, invite him in to be your Lord and Savior. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, confess your sins, surrender, and say, God, fill me with your presence and take over today. And we believe together the best is yet to come. We have our eyes on Jesus. We'll continue to give him all the glory. We're going to worship the Lord together right now. And this is right out of Scripture, God's Word, God's Spirit. God's Word has been the foundation 
And this is right from God's word, the blessing, the blessing, and the blessing then, the blessing today. I want you as we sing this to think about what God has done. I want us to think about and listen to God, what he's doing right now. And I want us to receive, as the wind blows, a vision for the next year, the next 10 years, the next 70 years, if Jesus isn't coming back by then. What is God saying to you today? Let's pray. God, we thank you as we look back. We give you praise for your generosity. We worship you. God, in this moment of worship, you are worthy. We celebrate. We listen. We abide, Jesus. We trust. And we give you praise together. In your name we pray. Amen.